Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for March 6th, 2022. The first Sunday in Lent. Woohoo! Oh no! Oh yeah, yeah. Oh woohoo! Lent's That's a right. good thing. That's right. Lent is a good thing. <laughs> Uh, and you're C, and we're coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, Bruce, you said woohoo. Why? Why? Lent is Lent is dour. Lent is Lent is pain. <laughs> Lent is Lent is uh, uh, flagellism and and uh, stop uh, yourself there. No, no, is it not? I, with the whipping and the no, is it not? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. What what is what Lent is, Lent? is all about? Opening yourself more fully to God's presence in your own life and the lives of the people around you and all of creation. And there are various techniques to help us do that, which sometimes get mistaken as the act as being the actual goal. So mm -hmm. if you need to roll around in the brambles in order to tame your ego, I won't join you, but maybe, you, maybe that's your thing. What's hopefully more likely is just a better prayer life. <laughs> I don't know. I've been told I need a good bramble roller <laughs> to, to, to get myself right with God. Um, uh, I mean, they it's could what be they wrong. Did before there's caffeine, you know. They're, that's right. That's right. That's right. Which I think I will give up for Lent. Um, really? I think I'm going to give up caffeine for Lent. It's been a couple of years, but uh, uh -huh. um, uh, caffeine is a. a, a I, I, I do a little too much of that. Okay. So uh, it'll be a constant reminder as to what season it is <laughs> and what my goal is. Uh, I will, I will, it will never be uh, that far from uh, my, my present existence. I will give you a tip mm -hmm. that may be totally out of date, but um, in another parish I served, I had a nutritionist as a parishioner who's always full of entertaining facts. And one of them was that the least decaffeinated coffee you can buy brewed is from McDonald's. Really? That part of their tech, their sales technique is to have a little bit more caffeine in there than other stores, other fast food places, other Starbucks's hmm. uh, decaffeinated <clears throat> coffees. And so people just get a sense of they like it better. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm getting rid of, uh, I think I'm going to do the, the, the whole thing. The whole thing. No coffee? No coffee, no okay. tea, no no caffeinated soda, no chocolate. Oh. oh. God bless you, my son. <laughs> so, let this, uh, let this begin my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, heads up, everyone. Look out for Ben. <laughs> or... Don't, don't, I, I don't think there will be much of looking out for it, like, just, uh, Step he'll, over him. He'll barely be moving. <laughs> yeah. He'll be the guy in the corner. <laughs> Prod him on Sunday mornings. <laughs> yep. Especially during the sermon. <laughs> especially. Especially no during, during sermons, please. No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, so that's I, I think that'll be that'll be my goal. What what do you if if I may pry? I mean it, it doesn't well, I, I don't you don't have to share uh, any specifics if you don't want to. But... I have one specific. Okay. Um some of you may know one of my hobbies is model railroading, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a parishioner who's also a model railroader. And this past Sunday, we decided that we will give up purchasing any model railroad stuff during Lent. You know that might sound like uh, to to the average uh, 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 listener who may not know you very well as like a oh my gosh that's that's Wimpy. such an easy thing to do. <laughs> no. Th no. <laughs> No. Well, yeah, especially because um, 
Okay, more information than anyone needs to know on this podcast. Winter is Malo railroading season in retail, and so mm-hmm. in spring is when the good sales are. Oh, and, so you are passing uh, up on the great temptation here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and staying in the budget and all that stuff. Um, also, there are a couple very good spiritual books that are the old cliche about sitting on the edge of the desk or nightstand ready to be read. I hope to have those read by the nice. end of Lent. Nice. I like it. I like the idea of setting a reading goal. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm well behind uh, whatever the last one that was set for me in 10th grade was. <laughs> um, uh, one day. One day I'll I'll achieve that. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad when the books on your list to read, while they've been on your list, have passed into public domain. <laughs> <laughs> first edition <laughs> interesting um so well if as we're entering the season of lent uh i assume that means like some uh, programming uh, uh notes stuff. here mm-hmm. uh, so uh, uh generally it, it, as we're recording this and this will be uh, uh, distributed uh, tuesday morning um uh we have the the shrove pancake uh, uh supper tonight from five to seven. Uh, from five to seven, uh, uh, you can still purchase tickets at the door and and yeah. uh, and and join in fellowship there. Um, support the youth group. Yeah, yeah, which supports the youth group financially. Uh, so you know, buy extras tickets that yeah. you don't need. Um, but uh, and then we have the Ash Wednesday service tomorrow at seven o'clock, mm-hmm. uh, which will, seven p.m., which will be live streamed as well right, as in person. Right. So that'll be Wednesday night at seven. Uh, and, um, I must say the sermon's looking pretty good. Oh, oh, I mean, a <laughs> bit of a biased comment, but okay. Well, of course, well, I gotta say something. <laughs> Should be a nice servant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, we've got that. Saturday, on. we have mm-hmm. the first Saturday of walking through Lent walks. Mm-hmm. So meet at the church at nine o'clock, 9 a.m. And we'll walk part of the nickel plate trail. And okay. each Saturday we'll walk a, a different trail around Fishers. Okay. All right. Um, and then. Oh, and Sunday. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, I was gonna, just going to say something. Um, we have a Lenten adult forum series. So 9 a.m. on mm-hmm. Sunday in the parish hall of um, how do we community? Yeah. And you know, this is in response to coming out of COVID, hopefully a lot out of COVID. Um Political unrest, economic unrest, war. Um, How do we now create a new way of being? Because life isn't the same as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. There's a there are aspects that are that 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 seem as though they will not go back to normal. Uh, Well, the the, the old normal. Um, And even if they did, we're not the same, and so they won't fit the same way. Right. Yeah. Very true. Okay. So that's that's the nine o'clock adult forum yep. uh, uh, hour? Every, every Sunday through Lent. Very good. Very good. So how many Sundays is that? Is that five, I believe? Might be six. Is it six? Five it, or six? It depends whether I... Okay. I see you're looking it up, so I'm not going to be dumb. I see I, uh, fifth Sunday in Lent uh, uh, this, this year, uh, and then the... Liturgy of the Palms and Liturgy of the Passion. I should have so said de- what I was going to say. So it depends on whether we almost certainly will not have adult forum on Palm Sunday. So five. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, very good. Well, let's uh, let's move on to this day in church history, um, uh, and let's begin all the way back in 766, uh, the death of Shodagang, 
uh, an eminent French uh, bishop who labored to bring the French liturgy into conformity with the Roman uh, Catholics, ah. uh, had promoted Gregorian chant. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. I like it. Uh, restored and founded churches, abbeys, and other religious institutions, elevated the standard of learning among the clergy, Excellent. used the use or urged the use of the Benedictine rule by monks. Good. Which is what? Which is what? The, um, it's now almost the d default uh, rule that monks and nuns live by, uh, but it was still fresh back then. And two things. One is hospitality is mm -hmm. primary, so they always are supposed to welcome the stranger. Okay. And the other thing is spirituality through work. Oh, okay. So throughout their they they have various chores in any given monastery, and uh, they're supposed to be praying and finding God's grace in that. And that's one of the reasons why Benedictine monasteries uh, through the decades and, well, centuries, have developed various crafts that they're known for, like brandy and fruitcakes and things like mm, that. Okay. Uh, because that's part of their spirituality is laboring, and then they can sell sell those and give the proceeds to charity. Interesting. Very yeah. cool. Uh, the other thing that they note, uh, which is which is interesting from a historical standpoint, is that he encouraged Pepin, who was the king of the Franks, the Franken king, uh, <laughs> to protect Rome. Uh, and this was, uh, oh. uh, if I'm not mistaken, in 766. This was during a period of war, so this yeah. was uh, more unifying for the uh, for, from from a church standard. There might have or church standpoint. There might have been some, you know, things that came out of this unification and this war. That I mean. I mean yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could you could look he, at it from two got, sides of a coin, but yeah, the the French got some brownie points by mm -hmm. protecting the Vatican. Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, we zoom forward to 1447, Tommaso Parentucelli. Goodness, I butchered his point. I want pizza. All right, <laughs> is elected pope and takes the name Nicholas V. Nicholas, a great lover of uh, literature and the arts, will exert much effort to improve Rome as a fitting home for a great Christian civilization. He will grant a charter for the University of Glasgow, Scotland, oh. and his Concordat of Vienna will secure the papacy the right to control benefices and sees. Oh, Caesar diocese. Yes. Uh, yeah, S E E S, which uh, yeah, I think uh, we, it, we the, the the term we use in English is diocese. Is diocese, yeah. Um, so uh, so that was, the, and that's during uh, the Reformation period. So so uh, it, it, they don't yeah. come right out and say it, but that's the uh, uh, those kinds of um, efforts by the papacy to encourage art and literature uh, was a an incredible driving force for much of what we recognize as uh, the, the Reformation art uh, uh, yeah. today. And, and classical music. And cla and yeah, like just that. Uh, um, an incredible um, um, uh, efforts or uh, things that, that came of it that roll as the ball rolled downhill uh, from, from that kind of an effort, which is great. Uh, 1609, Philip III, King of Spain, issues the Cedula Magna, the Great Decree, that says Indians should be as free as Spaniards. Under this and other decrees, Jesuits uh, work among the Indians of Brazil and Paraguay to protect and train Indians. Many weeks ago, we had, uh, I think, a similar related uh, This Day in Church History note, uh, although, uh, if, I'm, if memory serves correctly, it was earlier, uh, like a one or two years prior, and mm -hmm. it was more of a decree that they just simply shouldn't be slaves. Uh, yeah, this is this is uh, this is uh, more far-reaching uh, mm -hmm. than than that. 
1642, Pope Urban VIII forbids the reading of Aug uh, Augustinus, Augustinus? Uh, uh, Jan uh, Janicet uh, book. A what? Janicet book? Oh, oh, oh. J uh, 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 J yeah. Jansenist. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the coffee's really not flowing. This is my last day for it, too. <laughs> Jansenist uh, book. So, uh, Augustinus. Augustinus? Augustinus? I don't know. But, uh, Presenting it ends T-I-S. You're getting it right. Uh, uh, T-I-N-U-S. August Innes. Innes. August. I-N-U-S. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Augustinus? Augustinus? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, Pope, Pope Urban VIII said no. Um, <laughs> 1830, uh, the New York in, e Evangelist, man, Whoa. Evangelist, wow, is founded with the assistance of Charles G. Finney for the express purpose of re representing uh, revival interests and will soon command a large circulation. So that's the New York Evangelist. So that's a newspaper? Yeah, it's a pub some publication. Um, 1901, Amy Carmichael, uh, serving as a missionary in India, shelters her first temple runaway, a young girl dedicated to the Hindu gods and forced into prostitution to earn money for the priests. We don't get too many stories out of um, out of uh, um, um, Hindu culture and, and, and India as as much as I think there's probably a, oh, yeah. a tremendous amount of history for it. Huge. Um, uh, but uh, uh, largely thanks to the British. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> 1916, <laughs> Russians slaughter the Turkish Third Army, giving no quarter to the men held responsible for the recent massacre of Armenian Christians. So an interesting uh, 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 historical turn on its head from current uh, yeah. uh, current situations. Uh, so at, at, at that point, the, the Russians were um, Avengers uh, at that point in time. Yeah, and of of something that was very widely uh, condemned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to this day, there are huge conflicts between Turkey and Armenians and... You know, each each of those groups seek other countries to be on their side. You know, even a hundred years later. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's ongoing. Yeah, ongoing. The effects continue. Well, let's go move on to our first reading. Uh, yes. This week we see our first reading from the book of Deuteronomy twenty six, uh, chapter one, verse uh, chapter twenty six, verse one through eleven. It's just not not working today. Uh, <laughs> When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in the office at the time, at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land and that the Lord swore to our ancestors uh, into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord, your God, you shall make this response before the Lord, your God, a wandering uh, Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord and the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, 
our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying, terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruits of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given you into your house. Um, amen. Amen. There you go. <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy, uh, I mean, the, boy, this passage seems like very, very specific uh, instructions. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, turn left, sit down, uh, drop this, Please open turn your mouth, page say this. Uh, yeah, give the priest a wink. Uh, you know, <laughs> turn on your right foot counterclockwise and say these exact words. Um, so, um, is that kind of the style of the whole book? Of no. very instructional. Like, what's the? Oh, well, it is very instructional. Well, I, I mean, as to like, it, like, it, is it like you shall do this and do you know when this happens, do this and say to this person this thing and is it? Well, compared to to, yes. If you're if you if this is the first book of the Bible you look at, that's what you'll say. But if you read Leviticus first, you'll go, oh, Deuteronomy's mellow. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> It is so so general in Deuteronomy, um, but it's it's actually this is these are liturgical directions. These are directions for right. worship. Yeah, very uh, specific uh, directions for mm -hmm. worship. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and also just and this, this is important to Episcopalians because this is part of our explicit heritage. Is you pray as you believe, mm -hmm. and so verses five through nine are which people are supposed to say as they make their offering is a resuscitation of salvation history to that point. Right. Yeah. 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 You can, you can see um, uh, if, if you're not familiar with how the, the books of the Bible lay out, uh, uh, um, you know, one after another, this is, this is a recounting, uh, mm -hmm. a, a brief one, but yeah, a recounting of the books that one would have read prior um, to getting to Deuteronomy. So this is, yeah, but, mm, but when this was written down, they were not in any order. Right, 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 Just, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people didn't have their Gideon Bibles to pull out. Right, okay, exactly, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's that's for more the the modern reader, uh, uh, yeah. the, the modern reader's potential enjoyment of, of like, oh yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago I read, you know. Right, and uh, it's quite possible they were put in this order as the rabbi saw, okay, yeah, Deuteronomy is talking about this, so we have to make sure the story of Jacob has already been right. That's um, got to be been yeah in the earlier stack. in the scroll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, what is what's the overall theme? If you had to sum up Deuteronomy, because we actually it's one of the books that we don't get into nearly as often. Our Old Testament reading oftentimes is a from from a prophet uh, a, a book of, the, of a prophet uh, uh, more times than probably not. Uh, so um, yeah. Deuteronomy ends up not appearing nearly as much as like an Isaiah or or true, uh, Very uh, true. Or, or Jeremiah or anybody like that. Well, so and a big reason for that is it it I may be overstating, so I, I, I'm ready to be corrected. Send, you know, send those cards and letters in. Um, Deuteronomy isn't concerned about a Messiah. 
Right. Okay. And so in Christian worship, we are not likely to refer to it as often as we do Isaiah and Jeremiah, which do refer to a Masonic hope. <clears throat> right. Right. Messianic. Messianic hope. That's right. It's the morning for yeah. mis <laughs> mispronunciations. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so does it uh, is it more worship instruction uh, kind of a book or does it no, delve into other it, like what is it? It has it events. Touch on? And I have to admit, when I first read the Bible, almost cover to cover, you know, I put it down sometimes and put it up. But I gave that that task to myself one summer when I was in college. Um, for a long time, Deuteronomy was my favorite book of the uh, Hebrew Scriptures. Really? That it, it has some events, and then it has some um, songs of praise. It, ha it has so many different components. It has these prayers that it, it never got repetitive, is how it felt to me. Oh, okay, yeah. And there's a good chance that the composer of Deuteronomy, which it's attributed to Moses, it's considered one of the books of Moses, but almost, well, certainly was not written by Moses, there's a there's a good possibility that the author or author probably authors of Deuteronomy um, were making a commentary on all the scriptures as they were known at that point mm -hmm. and summarizing it from their perspective. So it has it, it does kind of serve as a cheat sheet for okay. the um, Parts of the Bible that are concerned the, with the, the pre-kingdom of Israel. The Torah for dummies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and, and it has less really esoteric stuff like Leviticus has. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what um, we, we the, the, the end verse here, um, uh, together with the Levites, Levites were the, were, were the priest order? Priestly order, uh -huh. which... Technically, at this point, didn't have much to do in terms of the narrative because Deuteronomy sets itself as before, um, well, as the first verse says, when you come into the into the land of the Lord. Right. So, so this is before no the temple, temple is built. Right. There's, you know, the Levites have a very, very short job description at this point. Mm -hmm. And so the Levites are, so they were the smallest tribe mm -hmm. and had the least status. Okay. So it was kind of like, um, it was almost a pejorative term. Okay. Uh, I, I don't want to voice a pejorative term, but, um, okay, I'm Norwegian heritage, so it could read, um, when those dumb Norwegian farmers and the aliens who reside among you, <laughs> it it has that tone right right uh, right the, the, uh, the least among you um shall celebrate as well gotcha so so it is it is bridging it, it, it uh narratively or or uh, um through through the, the the words and the sentence it's it's bridging the gap between you who probably think you're you know see yourself in a higher status yeah and these people and then the aliens among, who reside among you, I would assume, would be a, a reference to the lowest. Right. Like the Levites would be like, yeah, pretty low down there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then the the reference to the aliens would be like, and like the 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 people who you might not normally ever associate with. Right. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, it, it, no one who would those who society normally felt free to discriminate against and exclude now are thoroughly included. And you may recognize this as a theme of Jesus, but it comes 
uh, with some of the earliest books of the Hebrew scriptures as well. Yeah. It's, it, it is also interesting to me, though, that idea, it, like you think of the Jews wandering in the, the, the wilderness and then coming into the land. It's an interesting thought to um, think that as this group of people traveled, it would pick up yeah. wanderers along the way. Mm-hmm. And so when they did come in, it wasn't just, you know, yeah. the, 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 the Jewish people who had been, uh, some might say cursed or, 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 uh, blinded into wandering in the, in, in the desert for 40 years, but it was other people who were like, Hey, these people aren't that bad. <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm going to, or more pragmatic and like, uh, Hey, uh, if I leave, I might die. It's yeah. the desert. <laughs> I don't know what this manna and quail that they're getting is, but uh, hey, fills my tummy, <laughs> right? Exactly. And uh, and part of it also is the um, frequent intermarriage. Um, so I was like, you know, I fell for that beautiful yeah man or woman. Go, so I'm going to join shepherd's this daughter and yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then the the last dynamic that we often forget is when the wanderers came into the land of the Lord, there were people living there and many of them were assimilated mm-hmm. even as um, the Jewish people became the dominant tri- dominant group. Um, they didn't, they, it was not a pure population. We know this quite clearly both from archeology span and from the number of regulations about how do you interact with the non-Jews in your group. Hmm. And and all of those regulations are, you got to be nice to them. Yeah, shock. Yeah. <laughs> well, that wasn't the, the yeah, it, it, practice. It, it wasn't the practice, wasn't the norm. I think for some people that wouldn't have been intuitive. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's oftentimes as you read things like that or you 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 study up on, on you know, history, there will be, something that you read and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody do that? And like, mm-hmm. Hey, look, when you're, you know, in that deep end of the pool, seems normal. Like, <laughs> right. you know, it's just like, that's the the way it is. And that's, and, and, uh, uh I'll do it too. It's a challenge for us, uh, uh, to, to have, uh, uh, uh to give grace to those in our, in the past, uh, well, I think as a, well. And it's a strong reminder to be very humble about what we think is normal. Yeah, yeah. Because we can look back and see so many tragic examples where everyone thought, everyone who was on top of society thought X, Y, and Z is normal. Right, yeah. And we're now appalled by it. Right, yeah, we should assume that whatever it is we're doing now uh, is it will, in in some point in time, uh, in some aspect, will be viewed as like, oh my gosh, can you believe that Ben used to do this? You know, Ben Payton, 120 years ago, did... (laughs) this what a you know brute what a savage (laughs) okay here and here's an example that when i was a kid and even older than that it was so normal to see numerous people throw their trash out a car window yeah and burning cigarettes and beer cans and all sorts you're a california kid too yeah so uh yeah just let that imagery sink in, throwing out you know yeah. cigarette butts off a car window. And and society really thought, well, yeah, you know, grass fire that that's the cost of having a road through there because of course people are going to throw their stuff out. Uh, you can't stink up your own car with anyway. We are we now not universally, but many many maybe I hope a majority of people find that 
kind of behavior out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. And so, in, you know, 50 years time, 60 years time, the American society has really turned 180 degrees on that. Sure. Or smoking in a restaurant. Sure, sure. Or uh, uh, seat belts in a car. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the the old bench seat uh, cars of like, well, yeah, some people die in car accidents, but like, what are you going to do? I right. <laughs> Got to get to work. Do, do you want to, do you want this innovation of being able to get from point A to point Z? Or do you want to go back to the A and B is about all you can accomplish? Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's uh, it, it it does it does change. Uh, anything else about this passage? Um, let's see. I think you've asked me about everything. I wanted to make sure we got to. So no, we're good. Excellent. Let's move on to our psalm for the day. Psalm ninety-one, verse one and two, and then uh, so we do one, two, skip a few, literally, uh, and then nine through sixteen. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge uh, come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Um, this sounds familiar. Uh, some of the, some of the uh, lines mm -hmm. in this passage. Um, the line that talks about uh uh lest you dash your foot against mm -hmm. the stone uh gets used again in the temptation of christ if i'm not mistaken i presume that's why this psalm's a sign for today because that's the gospel we haven't gotten there yet bruce don't... <laughs> spoiler alert is this the first reference to that like is 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 the temptation uh, uh reference of like oh the you know scripture says this is it a reference back to Psalm, or is there an earlier reference that Psalm is also referencing? I think I think this may be the first time it appears. Okay. Psalm 91 is full of callbacks to other passages. Um, but I, I think the foot in stone starts here. Okay, okay. Um, and then the uh i mean it, in my mind all sorts of different uh, uh music pieces come to oh, yeah. to to mind uh here because there's it, there's a lot beautiful of beautiful stuff yeah there's a lot of uh, imagery beautiful imagery that's being used and uh, a lot of uh, uh choral anthems that we've sung mm -hmm. over the years uh contain portions of these words uh what about what do we know about psalm 91 this yeah. seems like a hymn Yes, a, uh, not not as much of a, a prayer, but more of a more of a hymn. Well, and again, we have to remember, book of Psalms, hymnal. Yeah, and so they take different forms. But as you said, even in translation, it is easily sung. Mm -hmm. So it, it's this is one of the easy ones. Like, yeah, this is a hymn. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, Psalms as hymns were theological teaching tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, what are the truths about God? Have them sing it. They'll take it home and remember it, um, as well as a spiritual exercise of, of praying with God. So it's it's part of a series of 
of very explicitly liturgical hymns of, I believe it's four or five right in a row. Hmm. Okay. Um, written at different times, but but without any attribution as to who or for what setting. Because some, some of the hymns that are written for worship uh, explicitly say that it's essentially for a royal um, installation, you know, right? The seating of a king or something, right? These none of these say why, okay, or when they were to be used. And in all honesty, I think that's in part because they're so powerful; they can be used anytime. Yeah, yeah. Um, why do we skip over some of this beautiful language? Like we we skip three through eight. I got to admit, I've been thinking about this for hours and hours and hours. Because you knew I was going to ask? No, because it was, well, yes, I did. But, <laughs> but because I was prepared, at first reading, I thought, okay, it's just one of those things where it's repetitious and of the thought. And so on Sunday morning, they tend to compress things. Right. Um, and as I always seem to say, it is so worth looking at these verses we skipped. Yeah, because they have some of the strongest imagery that people have sung and uh, prayed and all that sort of stuff. Um, it about protection, um, verse five and six. You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't defend not having that in there. <laughs> yeah, no. Jeez. Uh, uh, can, can you say that again? Like, I want to hear that again. Yeah, of course. Um, verse 5 and 6. Mm -hmm. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Hmm. This is from this verse because of a, a mistranslation in, into English originally. The phrase "the noonday devil" comes from this verse. Huh. The destruction that wastes at noonday was originally translated "the noonday devil." Interesting. Yeah, and it's it, a very brief window for that devil. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> <Aha>, noonday. <laughs> no, 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 wait. <laughs> When it, Dang it! When the tower stops striking, your power goes away. I will see you tomorrow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Please have my order ready. <laughs> the noonday devil. Interesting. Yeah. Very, um, very interesting. Yeah. I, again, just powerful stuff. So I really can't defend skipping it. Yeah. I also have to say it's meaningful to me because um, when the AIDS crisis really hit America, I was a chaplain for AIDS patients, mm -hmm. a volunteer chaplain in addition to my parish job. And and these verses were of huge comfort to people who had a disease that at that point was 100% fatal within two to three years. You're right. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the um, I want to make sure I get it just right. The Pestilence that stalks in the darkness or destruction that wastes at noonday for more advanced patients, that was their life. Yeah. And hmm. so to read this psalm with them was oh so powerful. And hmm. and they would ask for it. It's not something I would say, I have a magic psalm. Um, and there were wonderful 
songs written about it for to comfort people with HIV and all that stuff. So, yeah, it means a lot to me personally. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any... Uh, so, the, the, this is another... Uh, the first passage, uh, the f- first reading was there, was... there was a little bit of a you shall say instruction to it. Yeah. This one also kind of starts that, that way. Uh, you will say to the Lord. Um, um, I guess it's... It's more like a, if you have any sense at all, you will say to the Lord. Right, yeah. It's yeah. not a, you will say to the Lord or God hates you. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, just this, this. Um, I feel like verse 13 too, I've, I've read somewhere else. You will tread on the lion and the adder. Is it Isaiah? Yeah, I believe so. Might be Jeremiah, but I'm only sure it's Isaiah. Good on the psalm writer to pull these different references and, I mean, just gorgeous language. Yeah. Even even we as as translators uh, can't seem to mess this up. Uh, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anything else about Psalm ninety one? Something that's subtle, um, particularly because we skipped the middle verses, uh, is the the in Hebrew it's it's much more clear. Up to verse thirteen, it's simply a narrator. Mm-hmm. From 14, 15, and 16 is God's own voice. Yeah, we okay. Yeah, that is subtle. Because, yeah, you're right. It doesn't say, and God will say. Yeah. Or, and, you know. And it really should, to be clearer. But you, it would break up the rhythm. And it's not crucial that yeah. the narration changes. But I think it's more powerful. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's move on to our gospel reading. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed him until an opportune time. Um, so I like this story. I always have. And uh, one of the things about the story, I think that I say almost every year. Why not? Is um, this is only an important story, I think, uh, unless if if Jesus is temptable. Right. Uh, the 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 meaning of the story. Like, like we always like to put Jesus in that perfect light of like, oh, could do no wrong, could, you know, couldn't, could not sin. But if you think about it long enough, like none of that would actually, you know, if he was completely incapable of giving into his human side, then 
His sacrifice doesn't really mean it's that much. It's just special effects. It, yeah, exactly. It's just it, it's 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 relatively meaningless. I shouldn't say re- completely meaningless, but it it loses a Pretty huge chunk it. of of meaning and yeah. and value. So uh, I always like to remind myself as I read these pa- this passage uh, that these are real temptations. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the first one is like, hey, you're hungry. Here's some food. And you're like, eh, come on, devil. I'm, you know, I'm better than that. <laughs> uh, the next one, uh, I also uh, put in the category of like, yeah, that's not even a close temptation for me. Because it's giving into like more of the like, hey, how about you become that thing that all, you know, a lot of the Jewish culture is expecting. Right. The king. Fulfill people's come, expectations. Yeah, become a king. They'll be happy for two years. Yeah. It's <laughs> not not really not really uh, that much of a temptation. No, thank you. Uh, the last one, though, I, in my mind, is the one that sticks uh, that out to me as like, hey, you're performing signs and miracles. Uh, and... You know, this is this isn't that far from what Jesus ends up doing in his ministry, if you think about it, because Jesus does perform signs and miracles constantly through the gospels. So, I mean, throwing yourself off a peak and then having angels swoop down is is it that much of a leap from, you know, healing the blind and and, uh, 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 you know, raising someone from the dead? Yeah. Not that, you know, just a little, yeah. this is just, you know, one step up. Full public view, angels swoop down. Come on, Jesus. That's, you know, this it's is good stuff. This is your ministry plus one. Yeah. This is, this one hits home. I, I, I think in my mind, I, I, I'd have to ask Jesus how he felt. Um, <laughs> but in my mind, it's the third temptation that is the one that has the most, potentially the most pull. And Part of the interesting thing here is the tempter says, if you are the son of God. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a big man, a big man well, would do this. More than that, if what part of what the tempter is trying to do is undermine Jesus's self-understanding. The, the, okay. How that happens really doesn't, is immaterial in some ways, because with the, the term, stones into bread and with this one the preface is if you are the son of god mm-hmm. and and echoes the um demands of people who will eventually advocate for the crucifixion of jesus right if you're, um, including Pilate. well even while he's being crucified if yeah. you really are the son of god come on down come come down yeah like, and so it it prepares us, the readers, to understand how this story is going to play out. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is not a superhero who's just waiting for people to recognize he's a superhero. Instead, he's the embodiment of God's love who is going to transform the world, but not through overwhelming it, but being part of it. Right. I'm also struck by... Um how the 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 devil's interaction progresses a little bit it's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting because he's like hey how about this temptation and jesus is like ah scripture says this and then the devil says well what about this temptation and jesus says ah the scripture says this Mm -hmm. and the devil goes okay mr smarty pants the scripture says this Mm -hmm. what do you have to say about that (laughs) yeah 
And uh, it, it does show uh, that the, you know, the devil's like, hey, uh, I know scripture too. That's yeah. a, you know, you're not the only one there. Hotshot. <laughs> Um, and I think, as usual, as every verse is, it's for our benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, just because someone's quoting, quoting scripture, A, doesn't mean they're right, and B, doesn't even mean that they're a follower of God. Right, right. Because, um, yeah, I, you can, as you dig into his, uh, the devil's uh, quote of scripture, um, you can see where it's like... That's not what those passages are talking right. about. Uh, uh, you know, at least Jesus's rebuttals aren't like, like, eh, hold on one second. Let me look up in my uh, my, my uh, Bible encyclopedia. Yeah. Bread, bread, <laughs> bread. Ah, here it is. Uh, the Bible says this. Mm-hmm. Not sure if that plays into our situation here, but that's the quote I'm going to go with. Like, um, you know, his Jesus's responses are, you know, poignant to the temptation and the devil's you know quote isn't like on this on the surface it seems like oh this applies to this temptation this is this is this is smart mm-hmm. not really <laughs> not really you know this is this is uh this is you know you this is kind of like an, in in my mind this is kind of the an example of like uh, like just because you know that there's a a, a line in this in, in text that says something that on the surface has something maybe to do with what's mm-hmm. going on doesn't mean that you fully understand the, the the context. So I think it is interesting that you point out that yeah, just because someone can quote scripture doesn't mean that that you know that the full understanding of that scripture is is known or experienced by th- that individual or that it's offered in goodwill right right because you know at the end of the day it's not the scripture that is the important thing right it's you know the scripture is the the pathway the guide the guide to lead you to your personal relationship right with your creator so right um knowing the words and and it is is mm-hmm. a part of it, well, <laughs> but the first step. Another thing that's interesting, two two other things. Mm-hmm. One is Matthew and Luke both have um, all these temptations spelled out, the dialogue back and forth, pretty much the same, except they have different ordering of the temptations. Okay. Um, where for Matthew, um, the last temptation is offering all the kingdoms of the world. Um, mm-hmm. and in part that's because we believe Matthew had a stronger concern about the mistaken thought that the Messiah was going to be a right political ruler. But in Mark, again, um, the oldest gospel we have, it's the whole temptation passage is two verses. And it's the spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days tempted by Satan and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Hmm. Um, so it's for Mark. It's like that's what you need to know, <laughs> right, right? Right. Whereas Matthew and Luke said, "No, there's more. There's so much more here that we should share with you." Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with Matthew and Luke having a later audience, and therefore they had begun to experience some of the problems of people weaponizing scripture. Mm -hmm. And 
twisting who Jesus was for their own ends. Yeah. Things like that. Well, uh, let's play a quick game then. Uh, okay. Because we've talked about uh, before how the concept of the devil was colored hmm. later. What is the word that's going on, that is actually being used here? Um, I believe, well, you, you've noticed probably I've been saying tempter. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't, I don't want to be mislead anyone. So I'm just triple checking the Greek. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to pronounce it like Spanish. Okay. Even though it's Greek. And it's the Diablo. Okay. Um, which which has what what kind of undercurrent meaning? Like a it's it's a it's an evil presence. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's um, and so it's different. It 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 could be translated as demon. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the big guy, the big bad guy, right? Um, and um. So it's, it's, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. It's, it's more of an annoyance character Mm. than a supernatural superhero character. Because I have another way to view this story. Okay. That I've thought about recently. And that, uh, what if this is not uh, Jesus being tempted by evil spiritual forces or, you know, the, uh, the the more modern day devil that we like to think of. What if this is his own inner turmoil? Oh yeah. What if this is the, what if this temptation is uh, just him just himself of like the inner demons? Yeah. He 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 goes away uh, uh, into the wilderness. He he kind of this is a retreat uh, kind of kind of an approach. Right. I'm hungry. I can make myself bread. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not, you know, that's not necessary. That's not, you know, to Mm -hmm. use my, you know, you know, use, use what I have uh, to do that. What if I did, what if I did just do the thing and take over the kingdoms? Mm -hmm. What if I did just become. What if I do a quick fix here? Right. What if I did just become king? What would that look like? What would, you know, I'd still be able to do my thing. I'd still mm-hmm. be able to get what I want done, uh, what I'm called to. I would be loving people. And... Right. Yeah. I, I, I could still do that. I, mm-hmm. I could manage that. No, no, no. That's not – that's all sorts of problems and there, there are too many people who would be involved that are outside my control. That You know, no, no right. that doesn't work. What if – what if the, a, 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 you know, heavenly display, that – oh, that would be flashy. I mean mm-hmm. – Way better than the cross thing my dad has. It played yeah. Yeah. You know, way better than that. You know, I mean, you know, the, the special effects and the, you know, undoubtable, unmistakable. The, the story would be irrefutable or in front of thousands. Two or three days of torture by the Romans. Hmm. Right. You know, so it's interesting to me to maybe view this as an inner monologue instead. And that's, yes, that's a very good interpretation. Um, it's probably make makes it much more applicable to the everyday Christian today Mm -hmm. because we're not likely to be given a travel tour by... Yeah, I haven't been tempted by a devil that, like, pops up and actually, like, hey, hey, Mr. Payton. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I haven't seen one of those since an old Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this, I mean, which makes, if that's the viewpoint, makes the possible connection to uh, Jesus, Jesus' human side mm-hmm. way stronger. Right. Because how many of us have been asked to do something that we are not feeling ready to do? Yeah. How many of us have been faced with an uncomfortable request or situation or in in some certain circumstances a a known eventuality that we're Mm -hmm. not ready to face and how many of us have had this inner monologue of like what if i just don't yeah what if i or what if i short circuit it what yeah what if i you know or or what if i do it you know my own way a different way Mm -hmm. uh and and in that regard you can read this and go oh oh well Jesus Christ, Son of God, I get you. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. feel you, brother. I, you know, I haven't been called to what you've been called to, but I, I, I know the feeling that you've got right, mm-hmm. right here in this passage. Like I've, I've been there. Yeah, and I, to give you an example for me, when I was first ordained, the first time I was called to give last rites, mm-hmm. and you know, which is a, a privilege to do, but very intense. And family gathered around a hospital bed. The woman had had an unexpected heart attack while on vacation. Um, and I had I ended up being with them for at least three hours um, for various reasons, even though the woman had probably died about two hours in. But I'll, there was a process of getting the machines turned off back then mm-hmm. that we no longer have to go through. Mm-hmm. And... I can, I can remember being tempted to say, okay, I've done the words from the prayer book. I can depart. No, these guys still need me here. Yeah. It's hard to stand here in this ambiguity. And, you know, and then an hour later, I could make the excuse that I need to put my kids to bed. That's not really true. My wife can put the kids to bed, but right. I could say that and they go, oh, thank you for being here. And, mm-hmm. But that's not the right thing to do. Right. And yeah, on and on and on until finally the machines were turned off and we had that closure of the last breath and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's something that arrives upon us perhaps as often as daily if we have a busy life. Yeah. But certainly frequently regardless of our lives. Yeah. So um, uh, perhaps that interpretation doesn't work for you know, for you out there. Uh, But uh, uh, if you're like me, um, uh, I find it far more interesting to find that connective tissue to uh, Jesus, the man, Mm -hmm. uh, than to have this, you know, pedestal figure of complete unattainability uh, that I don't connect with at all because, you know, scripturally maybe i'm not supposed to you know <laughs> you know what i mean like no jesus is jesus and you are mud <laughs> um but that was adam but okay right exactly but uh um but uh well, these then, kinds of events and these kind of you know finding those 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 human elements in mm-hmm. the in the the gospel stories are are very meaningful for me to yeah. to to feel that kind of a connection I know I'll never have the level of responsibility and uh, um, the good instincts <laughs> that this man uh, demonstrates. Uh, right. But right. Uh, the 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 realization that there's there's that um, potential shared experience mm-hmm. is 
potentially very powerful for me. So I agree. And to, to back up part to to reinforce what you're saying, in Mark, he uses the term Satan instead of devil, mm-hmm. which may just sound like oh, a different word, but it's actually very significant in a in a Bible nerdy sort of way because Satan is the biblical character who's the um, mischief maker mm-hmm. and tries to trick people mm-hmm. and uh, tests Job and that sort of thing. Not an evil figure. And that's probably why we don't have a spelling out of the temptations. But um, nonetheless, it's still a human experience of a supernatural being that's not God. Right. Um, that technically Satan has the status of angel. Um, and the other thing, the, and the other thing that, that counters what you were saying, because it is people who are under the constant or just enough um, overwhelming presence and oppression by evil find comfort in, okay, Jesus could say no. Mm-hmm. And therefore I can say no. Right. Um, and even if I'm tortured, God is still by my side, going back to the psalm. Right. Very good. So all these different interpretations are crucial, and we should feel free to avail ourselves of them as our life conditions change. Yeah, yeah. Find meaning where there is meaning that can be found. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think with that, I will draw to a close. This is your podcast for March 6th, 2022, the first Sunday in Lent year C. Uh, we look forward to worshiping with you either online or in person uh, uh, on for, for Ash Wednesday service, but also on Sunday uh, at uh, 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. 10 a.m. service will be uh, broadcast on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. Uh, and until, when, oh, until two, Bruce uh, stops me. Two things. Masks are optional. Oh, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Not yeah. required, but uh, people are choosing to still wear them, and that's fine. And we are offering wine again in addition to the consecrated bread at communion. Yeah, so come come see what we actually look like. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it really was surprising. Yeah, it was surprising. Yeah, it was. It was like, oh, yeah, that's what the lower half of a face looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a, quite a few newcomers that have... Uh, yeah, we've never seen them. I've never seen below the nose. <laughs> So most of the time I guess correctly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yes, come, come join us, uh, how, whatever, whatever works for you. And uh, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.